I know it's Christmas season, but we're finishing the book of Revelation and we're finishing up the minor prophets. It's a beautiful thing to read through the Bible every year. Now, last weekend in services, we gave you the new Bible reading program. We tweaked it just a little bit and tried to do a little better job keeping subject matters together. Okay, we, Rather than just read an exact number of verses, we try to keep subject matter together. Our staff have worked very hard on this. We're grateful for that. So some days are longer, some days are shorter. Yes, I understand, but we're trying to keep subjects together, trying to keep things in context. Revelation chapter 14, beginning with verse 14. Then I looked, and behold, a white cloud. And seated on the cloud was one like the Son of Man, with a golden crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. And notice, seated on a cloud. <laughs> now, forgive me. That's pretty cool. You know, when you get up in the airplanes and you look down on top of the clouds, they look like they're solid, but you know what? They're not solid. But here's Jesus seated on a cloud, a golden crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. Now, sickle refers to reaping. And another angel came out of the temple calling with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud. Put in your sickle and reap. For the hour to reap has come, for the harvest of the earth is fully ripe. Okay? You don't reap until the harvest is fully ripe. So he who sat on the clouds swung his sickle across the earth, and the earth was reaped. Now notice, one time, he swung his sickle across the earth one time, and the earth was reaped. Then another angel came out of the temple in heaven, and he too had a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar, and the angel who had authority over fire. And he called with a loud voice to the one who had the sharp sickle, Put in your sickle, and gather the clusters of the vine from the earth, for its grapes are ripe. So the angel swung his sickle across the earth, and gathered the grape harvest of the earth, and threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. This is judgment. So this is the final harvest of those saved. And the winepress was trodden outside of the city, and blood flowed for the winepress as high as the horse's bridles for 1,600 stata. Chapter 15, verse 1. Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and amazing. Seven angels with seven plagues. Now you thought COVID-19 was bad. Seven angels with seven plagues, which are the last. Now notice, seven, seven. Seven is the number of completion. For with them, the wrath of God is finished. Thank God. This finally finishes the wrath of God of the great tribulation. And I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire and also those who had conquered the beast in its image and the number of its name, standing beside the sea of glass with the harps of God in their hand. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of the Lord, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O kings of the nations. Wow. Great and amazing are your deeds. Just and true 
are your ways. Now, remember, there's a difference between deeds and ways. Moses knew the ways of God. Israel knew the acts or the deeds of God. So there's always a difference in Scripture. Great and amazing are, are your deeds. These are the things God does. Just and true are your ways. This is why God does it. Just and true are all your motivations. But I like that. The Song of Moses. The Song of Moses. You didn't know Moses was a songwriter, did you? We, they will sing his song. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. After this I looked, and the sanctuary of the tent of witnesses in heaven was open. And out of the sanctuary came seven angels with seven plagues, clothed in pure bright linen and golden sashes around their chests. And one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls, full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. Now notice, these angels came from the tent of the testimony, out of the sanctuary, the tent of witnesses, the tent of witness in heaven. And the sanctuary was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no one could enter the sanctuary until the seven plagues of the angels were finished. Wow. When these, the last of God's wrath is done, it will be the most powerful outpouring of the wrath of God this world has ever seen. And it is so strong that no one even enters the sanctuary in heaven during it. That's some strong stuff, brothers and sisters. All right, let's open up our hearts and worship the Lord. Aren't you glad that as Paul said, we are not appointed unto wrath? Aren't you glad that we are saved by grace? Let's worship him. The first Noel, the angel did say, was the certain poor shepherds in fields as they lay in fields where they lay keeping their sheep on a cold winter's night that was so
Old Testament passage today picks up in the book of Habakkuk, chapter 1, verse 1. The oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help, and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence, and you will not say? Why do you make me see iniquity? And why do you idly look at wrong? Now, now listen to this man. Here's a man of God. And he says, you make me look at sin. And he said, God, you don't do anything about it when these people do wrong. Why do you idly? It looks like God doing nothing. Now, now that, that's kind of hard to handle, all right? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. Now notice, these things always go together. Destruction and violence, strife and contention. You know, there's always people who stir up strife and contention. So the law is paralyzed, and justice never goes forth. Wow. So what happens when destruction and violence, strife, and contention. So the law is paralyzed. Hmm. Paul said, listen, only when you become unity, and he said, only when you start listening to me can I really bring discipline to the church. It's true. And justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous. So justice goes forth perverted. Look among the nations and see, wonder and be astounded. For I'm doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. For behold, I'm rising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are dreaded and fearsome. Now, the Chaldeans, these are like the Babylonians, all right? They are dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. Now notice, their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. They're their own, they have their own sense of right and wrong and their own sense of dignity that has nothing to do with the scripture. Their horses are swifter than the leopards, more fierce than evening wolves. Their horsemen press proudly on. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle, swift to devour. They all come for violence, their faces forward. They gather captives like sand. At kings they scoff, and at rulers they laugh. They laugh at every fortress, for they pile up earth and take it. Then they sweep like the wind and go on. Guilty men, whose own might is their God. Now, you know, tie these passages together. Their justice and dignity... That's, that's, that has nothing to do with the God of heaven and the word of God. And their own might is their God. Are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One? We shall not die. O Lord, you have ordained them as a judgment, and you, O Rock, have established them for reproof. You who are purer of eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong, why do you idly look at traitors and are silent when the wicked swallows up a man more righteous than he? Now, he's confused. He said, God, I, I don't get it. Now, now notice this concept of why do you idly look at these things, God? Now, now again, he, 
He said, God, I, I'm confused. How, how can you stand there and see this and not do anything about it? And, and how are you silent, God, when the wicked swallow up the man more righteous than he? You know, that, that's a hard one. You, when, we, when you see wicked people being victorious over the righteous, that, that's a hard thing. You make mankind like the fish of the sea, like crawling things that have no ruler. He brings all of them up with a hook. He drags them out with his net and he gathers them in his dragnet. So he rejoices and is glad. Therefore, he sacrifices to his net and makes offerings to his dragnet. For by them, he lives in luxury and his food is rich. Is he then to keep on emptying his net and mercilessly killing nations forever? Now, again, we're, we're talking about the Babylonians. He said, now, now listen, God. Their justice and dignity comes from them. Their might is their own God. And he said, you know, he makes offerings to his dragnet. He sacrifices to his net. He said, listen, he, he worships. He worships his tools and he worships his, his skill and abilities. He said, God, that, that's, that's not right. I will take a stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look to see what he will say to me. And what I will answer concerning my complaint. Now notice, Habakkuk says, God, I'm complaining a little bit here. And the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. Now this is how to present a vision. It cannot be nebulous. You've got to write it down. You've got to make it plain. Otherwise, people can't run with the vision. For still the vision awaits an appointed time, so a vision has a time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. All right, so the vision has a time, and this is our attitude during the waiting time. Behold, a soul is puffed up and is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by faith. How often does Paul quote this? One of the great key verses of salvation by faith. Verse 5. Moreover, wine is a traitor. Wine will always betray you. Wine is an arrogant man who is never at rest. Wine is greedy. Always wants more. Like death, wine never has enough. Wine gathers for himself all nations. Wine collects as its own all peoples. Wow. This is wine. Now, folks, you're going to have to understand, wine is very much evangelistic. And I use that term guardedly because it really doesn't evangelize. It gathers for himself all peoples. It collects as his own. Wine, wine demands loyalty. Wine is a traitor, but demands loyalty. Wine is never at rest. Wine is greedy. It always wants more people involved with it. You know, when I was a young man, they used to call alcohol spirits because they thought that there was a spirit with it. Well, you know, forgive me, but when you look at Dionysus, the god of debauchery and drunkenness, 
you wonder if there is not a demon spirit with it. Look at this. Wine is given a personality. And I, I know NLT says wealth, but the, the Hebrew word there is really wine. Wine is a traitor. It will always betray you. Wine is arrogant. Wine always wants more. It's greedy. Wine never has enough. Wine gathers all nations, collects as its own all peoples. So wine may betray you, but wine demands loyalty. You ever wonder why drinking wine is such a, a thing pushed in the world today? Well, here, here's what it is. Shall not all these take up their taunt against him with scoffing and ridicules for him and say, Woe to him who heaps up what is not his own, for how long he loads himself with pledges? Will not your debtors arise and those awake who will make you tremble? Then you will spoil for them. Because you have plundered many nations, all the remnant of the people shall plunder you. For the blood of man and violence to the earth, to cities and all who dwell in them. Woe to him who gets evil gain for his house. Wow. To set his nest on high. Be safe from the reach of harm. So, okay. There's supposed to be safety in high places. But God says, whoa. Evil gain. When you make money by evil, woe to you. You devised shame for your house by cutting off many people. You have forfeited your life. For the stone will cry out from the wall and the beam from the woodwork respond. Woe to him who builds a town of blood and founds a city in iniquity. Behold, it is not from the Lord of hosts that peoples labor merely for fire and nations weary themselves for nothing. Wow. It's not from the Lord that people get nothing from their hard work. That's never God's will. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge, and here's one of those famous verses I told you about. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. <laughs> Woe to him who makes his neighbors drink. You pour out your wrath and make them drunk in order to gaze at their nakedness. Now, woe to him who makes his neighbor drink. Now, come back up to wine again as his own. Okay, it's, it, it's amazing how people pressure people to drink. You will have your own fill of shame instead of glory. Drink yourself and show your uncircumcision. The cup is in the Lord's hand, will come around you, and utter shame will come upon your glory. The violence done to Lebanon will overwhelm you, and will the destruction of the beast that terrified them. For the blood of man and the violence of the earth, the cities and all who dwell in them. What prophet is an idol when its maker has shaped it, a metal image, a teacher of lies? For its maker trusts in his own creation when he makes speechless idols. Okay, So, an idol is a teacher of lies. Woe to him who says to a wooden thing. Now notice we have a metal thing, metal image. Now we have a wooden thing. These are different idols. Awake to silent stone. Can this teach? Behold, it's overlaid with gold and silver, and there's no breath at all in it. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let the earth keep silent before him. So, um, God is real. Idols 
are not. Chapter 3, verse 1. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, according to Shigenoth. O Lord, I have heard the report of you and your work. O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember your mercy. Your work, in the midst of the years, revive it. This is a great revival truth. God will revive his work in the midst of the years. God came from Teman, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His splendor covered the heavens and the earth was full of his praise. <laughs> I like that, Selah. His brightness was like the light. Rays flashed from his hand and there he veiled his power. Before him went pestilence and plague followed at his heel. He stood and measured the earth. He looked and shook the nations. Then the eternal mountains were scattered. The everlasting hills sank low. His were the everlasting ways. His were the everlasting ways. There's a great truth. I saw the tents of cushion in affliction. The, the curtains of the land of Midian did tremble. Was your wrath against the rivers, O Lord? Was your anger against the rivers or your indignation against the sea when you rode on your horses on your chariot of salvation? You stripped the sheath from your bow, calling for many arrows, Selah. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and writhed. The raging waters swept on. The deep gave forth its voice. It lifted its hands on high. The sun and the moon stood still in their place at the light of your arrows as they speed, at the flashes of your glittering spear. You marched through the earth in fury and threshed the nations in anger. You went out for the salvation of your people, for the salvation of your anointed, of your people. You crushed the head of the house of the wicked, laying him bare from thigh to neck. Wow. In every house, there's a head of wickedness. God said, I crushed the head of the house of wickedness. You pierced with his own arrows the heads of the warriors who came like a whirlwind to scatter me, rejoicing as if to devour the poor in secret. You trampled the sea with your horses and surging of mighty waters. I hear and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. Yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon the people who invade us. Wow. I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon the people who invade us. Now, quietly wait. There's always going to be people in life who try to destroy you, brothers and sisters. Quietly wait, because a day of trouble will come upon them. Now, listen to how he closes this out. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor the fruit be on the vines. The produce of the oil fail, and the flocks yield no food. The fields yield no food, and the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. 
I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Now, brothers and sisters, here is a heart of faith. God, though I don't see anything, and I've got people fighting against me trying to destroy me, I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon these people. And he said, God, though I see no prosperity, the fig tree doesn't blossom, there's no fruit on the vines, the olive trees fail, the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off, there's no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. This is the heart of faith. Though we don't see any prosperity, though we walk through hard times, I will take joy. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Why? The Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. He said, you know what? This is victory. This is victory. This is endurance. Brothers and sisters, some of you are in this situation right now. hard to make money. You don't see a lot. You have to choose joy. Yet, even though I can't see any prosperity or any blessings, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Though I can't see any blessings, and though people are still trying to destroy me, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Why? Because God, the Lord, is my strength. He will give you the endurance. Why? Because he will give you feet like a deer's, make you victorious. He will make you tread on the high places. Again, that's the place of victory. Brothers and sisters, sometimes you have faith for victory while you live in disaster, okay? I mean, please forgive me. I don't know any way to say it more politely than that. Sometimes you have faith in God for victory and you choose to rejoice in the Lord while you live in the middle of disaster. Now, some of you are right there today. You're living in the middle of disaster. Have faith for victory. Right now, just lift your hands. Father, just say it. Father, I rejoice in you. Father, I rejoice in you. Lord, I take joy in the God of my salvation. For you are my strength. You are my refuge. You will give me victory in Jesus' name. Now you just keep rejoicing in the Lord today. All day long, just say, Lord, I, I can't see the victory yet. All I still see is the disaster. Oh, but God, by faith, I rejoice in you. I take joy in the God of my salvation all day long. 
all day long, as you struggle, as you look at all of the disaster, as you look at all of the difficulty around you, <laughs> just look at it and go, yeah, like Habakkuk of old, I cannot see God at work. All I see is disaster. All I see is poverty and pain. But I rejoice in the Lord. I take joy in the God of my salvation. God is my strength. God gives me the victory in Jesus' name. You have a heart of faith before you have an experience of faith. Let me say that again. You have a heart of faith before you have the experience of faith. Amen. All right, we'll see you tonight, 7 o'clock as we get back.